This is a conversation I had with journalist Kad Satyursayang on the recent protests in Bangkok, the Future Forward Party, their charismatic leader Tanatorn, and the conflicts the Future Forward Party has had with Thailand's powerful military. Thailand's quest for democracy is a story I find very inspiring and one that I want more of the world to know about. Uh, Its struggle reminds me of similar struggles going around the world, ranging from West Papua to Lebanon to Hong Kong to Chile. Cod is able to talk with us on Thailand and the current political situation with a great deal of nuance and humor. I think you'll find this a very enjoyable chat, but also a very informative one. If you like what we're doing, you can support us. You can share our podcasts on social media and leave us a review. We're very appreciative of any help we can get in spreading these diverse voices and building connections uh, between people, between struggles, and between movements. You can check out our YouTube where we have great video interviews. Uh, And of course, check out our website, asiaarttours.com, where we have great tours that try to combine social justice with travel. Our new tour up with Courageous Kitchen is a great example of that. We have many others throughout Thailand and Asia as well. All right, here's our chat with Cod on Thailand, the Future Forward Party, and what the future holds. I hope you enjoy. Um, hi, my name is Kod Satursayang. I am a journalist and editor working in Bangkok. Um, I've spent the last decade and a bit um, in journalism, started off in the Middle East, um, in in Baghdad and then Dubai and then Lebanon and then moved back because the political situation in Thailand was so intriguing. So I've been back now about nine years and have been doing political reporting ever since. I work within the regions, first for DPA and then for Reuters. And now Asia News Network. And in excited to announce that in 2020, we're starting a new news website um, called Thai Inquirer. Um, and that'll be launching January 15th. So to, to turn to the, the reason why I wanted to talk to you, Thai... Democracy is very fascinating with its history of um, social conflict, um, the the fading in and out of coups and the fading in and out of democracy to guided democracy to military junta. Um, so a good place to start would be the present. Could you give us a breakdown of the protests on December 14th um, at or near the Skywalk? Uh, who was protesting, what were they protesting for, and, and what was the response of the Thai state as you explain it to people? So in 2014, after maybe a decade of political instability, um, Thailand's military, as it does from time to time, um, launched a coup, was successful, and replaced the democratically elected government of Thailand with a military junta that reigned for five years, ruled for five years, I should say. And... This year, the military decided to revert to a elected government. However, they decided to run a proxy that is supporting the military in all but name. And and 
there were accusations that this proxy party rigged the elections to favor themselves. Um, there were rules that were in place which which made it easier for them to win power. Among them was the fact that the entire upper house of parliament was nominated by the military and the entire upper house was allowed to vote in or was allowed to, to voice their opinion and then their votes counted when choosing a prime minister. So the system was very rigged against opposition parties and people who were pro-democracy and not aligned with the military. Um, one of the most exciting developments in Thai politics in the last few years has been the emergence of a young um, student activist-led um, popular political movement embodied in the political party Future Forward. They're very progressive, liberal in nature, very anti-totalitarian governments, very anti-military, has a very strong liberal streak. And the establishment, the military and the conservative, conservative elements of Thai society sort of view them as a threat. Now, they weren't expected to many, win many seats in the election, but they surprised almost every political observer and won and became the, um, effectively the third largest party in Thailand. Now, because of their liberal streak, um, conservative elements within Thai society sort of banded against them. There's been several court cases against the party. Their leader, Tanaton, um, was banned from politics, lost his MP status over a really minor technicality. And now their party might be disbanded altogether if a constitutional, um, pending a constitutional court ruling. So... The protest on December in, in early December was in response to this pushback by the establishment against this new party. And the people that were taking part in that movement were young people who had voted for Future Forward, people who were anti-military in nature. And it was it was a it was a eclectic um, collection of, of various um, anti-military factions led by Tanatorn, who has been banned from parliament and and he made a speech and he was there at the gathering and it it, it was it was the biggest political protest in Thailand in over half a decade. I'm wondering if you could tell us a bit about uh, the Future Forward Party, the sort of uniqueness of, of being led by um, why does it seem that the opposition consistently fields billionaires and is that sort of a comment on that's the amount of power you need financially or in terms of having connections to the Thai business community to stand up to um, the Thai military okay um, let's let's take that one at a time so the the future forward party is is bankrolled and led by Tanaton who is who is also the party leader. He is the scion of a very powerful, very wealthy Thai family. Um, and and his uncle is even in parliament, but on the conservative side. So there, there, there's definitely fractures within the family itself. But it's unique in that generally when, when these billionaires enter Thai politics, they're either looking to further their, their own business interests or, or they're looking to, to make sure that the status quo remains. Tanatorn seems to be different. And I say seems to be because it's very early in the process. It's only been only a year and a bit since he's announced his presence. But so far, he has, instead of hiring and, and, and empowering you know, the, the business elite or, or bringing in advisors who are you know, from his business world, he has promoted within his own party people from uh, 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 people from a cross section of Thai society that's very representative. We have our first LGBT um, 
LGBT MP from this party. We have our first transgenders and transgendered MP from this party. We have academics, we have law professors, um, and we have activists. So, so it's a very unique entry into Thai politics because generally pol politi politics and politicians come from a, a business background or a professional political political background where politics is their entire family life you know it's their it's it goes from one generation to the next um whether it's an mp seat or whether it's something of that nature so it's uh future four is very unique in that respect um as to the question of whether it takes a billionaire to run yeah, uh, to, to, to have these political, why are these political parties always attached to billionaires? There's some truth to it that it takes a lot of money to, um, to fund an election campaign. Um, Thailand has never been known uh, for like openly raising political funds through small donations and things like that. So there's usually wealthy backers. Um, generally, with the traditional political parties like Pue Thai, who is backed by former Prime Minister Thaksin Shinawat, he would bankroll their entire campaign. Uh, Palanga Bacharat is backed by the military and powerful business elements. They back bankroll that campaign. Democrats are the traditional, the Democrat Party of Thailand anyways, are the traditional elite of, of Bangkok. So they, they have a strong source of funding. So yes, it takes a lot of money, but Tanatorn has so far bankrolled things, but also pulled them away from the business interests that usually control politics in Thailand. In reading about uh, Future Forward Party, you get a, a myriad of perspectives depending on sort of the political leaning of the paper. Um, I've heard them described uh, anywhere from socialist to neoliberal in a lot of the their economic policies. Uh, a word you used at the beginning of our chat was, was liberal. Um, if could you frame for us how, generally speaking, the economy of Thailand is doing, and what are some of the economic policies of Future Forward uh, Party um, that might ruffle a few feathers? Okay, so that's actually a super interesting question because um, Thai politics and Thai businesses are usually shielded from one another. Um, Generally speaking, I mean, this is a country that's had something like 12 coups in the last 80 years. Coups have become sort of a, a normal part of, of Thai political life. Every 10 or so odd years, we would have another coup. And the business community tends to chug along despite these coups. So one can see it one of two ways that 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 um, governance has very little to do with the, the carrying out of business in Thailand or that Thai businesses have found a way to sort of donate to every party and sort of make sure that every party favors a pro-business environment. Now, this was all true up until 2006 when, when Thaksin Shinawat, former prime minister, was overthrown in a coup. And there was a decade-long series of protests and counter-protests um, between various factions. Now, that period of time actually adversely affected economic growth in Thailand, perhaps for the first time um, Thailand's economy was was affected by by the goings on politically. Because that happened, the military used that as an excuse to to sort of come in and seize power, saying that the economy was doing so poorly over the past ten years that it could not survive any more political instability. And when they took over, they brought in a bunch of technocrats to run the economy and because it was stable and Thailand approached something of a stable norm in the first few years of military rule, the economy actually grew at a steady rate. 
However, after five years of rule and now the sixth year of, of uh, military-backed leadership, I guess I, I guess that's how you would say it, um, the, the, the economy seems to be spluttering and it seems to be slowing down. It's one of the grievances of the Future Forward Party that, that economically the country is not doing very well. And because the military have mismanaged so much in the last five years, there needs to be a new leadership. Whether you can pinpoint their economic policy, however, is really hard to grasp. Whereas, whereas in the United States um, and, in, and, in, and, in, um, and in Europe and in the UK, you have political divides based on economic, um, economic theory. So the, the conservatives or the Republicans future a more f trickle down approach where they empower businesses, they relax regulation, and they think that that as a whole moves the economy up, whereas um, the liberals and the Democrats and the labor features a more, um, I guess, uh, safety net kind of uh, economic feature where, where they want to invest into rural communities, invest into the poor, invest into the middle class. Thailand has none of that. Thailand has no left or right when it comes to the economy. When I say liberal, I mean purely where they stand in relations to the military and the establishment. So there are parties along this left and right divide, but it's not on economic terms. It's on how they view the military. So when I say that Future Forward is liberal, all I'm saying is that they're anti-military. When I say that Palang Bacharat, who is the ruling party now, are conservative, that means they support a strong military. They support the army. They just su support the entrenched elite. So that's that's the Thai political spectrum. Inside Future Forward itself, as well as inside Palang Pashalat, inside the Democrat Party, inside um, um, Pria Thai Party, you have a large spectrum of dis despair, um, uh, of disagreeing voices on how they should run the mil uh, on the how they should run the economy itself. There is no consensus within any of the parties on how the economy should be run. It's not a conversation that Thais have had with themselves yet about, you know, about economic theory. We haven't gotten there. We're not mature enough politically to have that discussion yet. And so if we looked at a cross-section of the protesters who came out, um, what would it tell us about why they're supporting Future Forward and why they are so vehemently against the military. As you just said, you know, for uh, a listener from the U.S. or the U.K., it's sort of confusing this idea of why is everyone getting so ruffled if no one's really saying anything other, anything about economics or sort of bread and butter issues. Right. So if you look at the cross-section, what you find within Future Forward is, is just the anti-totalitarian pro-democracy um, groups, whether they're center-left or center-right economically, whether they're from the heartland or whether they're from the big cities. The one thing that unites that entire party is the fact that they believe in, in, in a few things. They believe that there should be democracy in Thailand that's free of military influence. They believe in... Um, Enlightenment values such as the the right to free speech, the right to um, to, to express oneself in whatever fashion one wants, the right to the right the rights of minorities and and various groups within society, whether you're you're um, an immigrant, LGBT person, or 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 those such things, they believe in those rights. And that's the core of their belief. Economically, they're all over the place. But that specific core is their belief. And they also, all of them, 
whatever group they are in, in future forward, I also believe that the current constitution needs to be changed so that the, the powers that have been reserved for the military is weakened or thrown out altogether. And so for the military, if we're sort of alluding to the fact that the charges or the current case against Thanathorn looks politically motivated, um, why are they so threatened by it? And Thanathorn, again, is, as you mentioned, he's the son of a, of a billionaire, or he comes from a billionaire dynasty. What's the worst, really, that could happen to him? I mean, uh, I've never heard of a billionaire actually ever really getting in trouble. Thanathorn is, is seen as more of a threat because if you look at the last billionaire to sort of back politics and, and get involved, it was Tuxin, right? And you you could see his motivations quite clearly. They were... They were... He entered politics... Um, Rode a wave of populism, but it wasn't on ideals. It was it was to empower himself, his party, and and further his business ties for the most part. With Tanatorn, you don't really see that, right? You, you he's more of an idealist. The people that he's bringing into the party are not technocrats. They're not business leaders. They're they're everyday people from a wide ranging array of special interests that have at heart an ideal and and. It's something that's completely alien to Thai politics, someone having ideals. <laughs> it's not something that has ever really happened since the 70s when the students came out in the street and, and demanded for, for democracy. And, and that was very short-lived and crushed by the military quite bloodily. So to, to see a new wave of idealists sort of spring up is something that, that shakes the foundations of conservative Thailand to its very core because it's not something that you can buy off easily. With Thaksin, you can buy him off. You can you can give him the leadership. He's going to rule. He's not going to shake the status quo too much. He's going to empower his people. He's going to um, send money along those patronage networks. And it's part and parcel of what Thailand is and what what it what we what the conservative thinks that Thailand's DNA currently is. Tanatron doesn't want to do that. This party doesn't want to do that. They want to shake up the system. They think the system is broken and that at, there needs to be a reimagining and reinstituting of the constitution that is not based on traditional values that have been accepted. Now, to just uh, to be fair to the other side for a moment, is it fair to say that there are individuals who, who did vote openly and willingly for the military? And is there a good sort of profile of who those voters might be? It's very fair because despite despite what I've said so far, um, it, it, it's an important caveat to note that the the military has strong support. General Prayut, who is the prime minister, is a very popular leader among certain sections of the Thai Thai society, um, and that's that's their base. They have a base of support, and these people tend to be more conservative. They exist all over Thailand. It's not limited to just Bangkok. They believe in strong government. They believe in in a government that that cracks down on crime, that cracks down on dissent, and they think strong leadership is needed, even at the suppression of liberal values and dissenting voices. And and yeah, and there's there's quite a significant chunk of them. And they will continue to vote this way. There's a lot of people who think that the military are a force for good in Thailand, and they shouldn't be discounted. My understanding of one of the bones of contention about Daxin uh, was that it inadvertently or just because it was uh, politics that were very populist in terms of establishing a further enhanced health care within Thailand, subsidies for rice, um, a lot of rural programs 
that some of the strongest supporters for Thaksin were, were rural uh, ties, um, in, in particular based out of the north. Within the current northeast, um, within the current sort of Thai cosmology of politics, are, are, the, are the south where we, we see um, unrest within um, majority Muslim communities or the north and northeast, which have historically had high degrees of poverty, is it just a battle of, of Bangkok or are we seeing um, sort of a new uh, outreach from any of these parties or Thaksin again trying to sort of rebuild his base of rural populism? When, when we discuss this, um, are, are poor voters, rural voters, um, voters who have particularly been left out part of the discussion or at this moment, is it predominantly the worries of, of Bangkok or other um, first tier Thai cities? There's an accepted wisdom among among Thai political analysts in that Thaksin did the right thing for the wrong reasons. He um, he definitely instituted these programs that have never been done by governments in Thailand. Usually, usually the national government in Thailand historically has ignored the poor, has ignored the countryside, has ignored the rural voter. Thaksin had created. And not created, but Thaksin utilized patronage networks that have existed for a long time, um, used it to fuel his populist campaigns, and in return gave back programs that benefited and 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 helped the helped the poor. So you've got things like universal health care that was instituted under Thaksin. You've got, um, like you said, rice subsidy schemes. You've got um, loan schemes to help rural farmers and rural people. And those were very important, not not only because they, they improved the lives of people, and, and one can debate how much they improved the lives. I mean, the statistics shows that it wasn't a significant improvement in terms of life and livelihood, but in terms of, of political awakening, it it showed the 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 working class that they had a voice, that their voice was powerful, and that their voices needed to be taken seriously in Bangkok. That was t something that Thaksin did that was good. Whether he did it, whether that was his intention, one can debate because he also tied to these programs, especially the rice subsidy scheme, there was, there was some allegations of corruption. So he might have done the right thing for the, for the wrong reasons. Now, 13 years after he was overthrown, the poor still remain politically empowered. I, I, wouldn't sh I shouldn't say poor, but the farmers and the working class still remain politically empowered. And and people and political parties across the spectrum have started coming up with platforms to appeal to their votes. So instead of just patronage networks, people are actually coming out with platforms. And I believe that that is Thaksin's political legacy. For the future forward party, something I've heard from more far left uh, analysts is a fear that by pursuing a path of electoralism, uh, future forward legitimated uh, a system of governance that, as we've alluded to in this conversation, or I'll just say outright, appears to be rigged, where it's it it, it, it even participating if, in the election, they sort of legitimize the process. Yes, and I'm wondering if Thanathorn is um, thrown out on some sort of, uh, as I think any political expert would say, just a a minor technicality that's being used very much for political purposes. Um, what would be the prediction in terms of the uh, response from Future Forward? I think we still have we're still in a wait and see game. There's definitely discontent that he was stripped of his um, parliament status, his MP status. Um, but right now, it's 
it's a wait and see to see if the entire party gets disbanded because that's still on the cards. There's several charges against the party also leading from a minor technicality um, where the party might be disbanded completely. If that happens, I think you can expect to see street protests in Thailand. Again. And w- within Thai street protests, what is the typical response been of police where... Are you talking police or the military? Because they're very separate things. Well, could we address both, please, if that's all right? Okay. So the police are tend to be on the side of, of Toxin and Thai, and there's sort of an alliance between Thai and Future Forward at the moment. Um, um, so you might not see too much movement by the police once those protesters comes out. Um, they'll still have to, 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 to heed the, the orders of the government, but it won't be carried out too, too vigorously, shall we say. Um, if the protest leads to long-term instability, you might see the military come out, and that's a whole kettle of fish. And, and if you look in the annals of Thai history, you can see what happens when the military comes out to crush protests, usually a lot of bloodshed. And for the, the military itself... Um, I can understand for the leadership at the top why they they want power, but it, it's a bit confusing in terms of who and what is is supporting them. Is it a if we looked at sort of how the military is embedded within Thai society and Thai business? Could you explain that a bit better because it's very opaque to me? Okay, so Thailand has a better conservatism that is a mixture of of entrenched nobility and elites and leaders of their the business community um they generally back the most stable governments they'll back people that that maintain the status quo that don't shake the boat too much and that ensures that businesses can carry on as business can carry on as normal um when political instability happens they will back those that ensure stability returns. Generally, that's the military. Now, the military itself is uh, of the military itself is divided into factions, separated by class. Class, and by class, I don't mean like like the what the Western view of class is, but each each graduating class of the military academy is known by a number: class thirteen, class fourteen, class fifteen, and these are very separated. So there's class factions within the military, always vying for more power. And every once in a while, you get a very um, belligerent class who thinks that they have a right to rule because that's the traditional thing for the military. So they'll look for any excuse um, within Thai society to launch a coup. Like I said, this has happened like 12 times in Thai history, and it will continue to happen until you can sort of re-embed the military under a civilian government instead of them acting as arbiters of what is Thai and not Thainess. So anytime that there's something that's politically unstable or something that threatens the status quo, they'll use it as an excuse to extend their power, launch a coup, um, entrench their, their, their leaders within the political system, and make sure that things return to normal. And the, the business and, and, and conservative elements of Thai society will back them because they want stability and because they're familiar with them. Well, just for, I guess a good example for me is if, if you're in the military, are there, are there kickbacks that would come your way that would not come your way under a civilian-led government? Are there opportunities where you can partner with private ventures that wouldn't exist? Um, Generals in Thailand tend to be very wealthy individuals. Um, I think there's definitely economic incentive, 
but it's definitely more of a, a power hegemon kind of thing rather than than purely economic incentives to rule. They think, like for 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 someone like Prayut Janosha, who's the current prime minister, I think I think he's a true believer in his mission that he is a restorer of of Thai conservatism, that he's protecting the status quo, that he's protecting the elites, he's protecting the Thai way of life, and that's why he had to launch a coup in 2014 to make sure that that this Thainess, that what he views as Thainess, is maintained, and that that you know foreign elements um, and and foreign ideas embodied in the people like those that lead Future Forward don't infiltrate Thai society and corrupt it from within. What have uh, events have global uh, or uh, Pan-Asian events, uh, what influences that had on Thailand where we've had uh, now six months of the Hong Kong protests, uh, recent uh, protests erupting throughout India, uh, uh, increasingly belligerent uh, China that is starting to see pushback from Malaysia. What, what have been some of the uh, Pan-Asian events that are influencing how Future Forward, their supporters, or um, Thai, uh, Thai, Thai issues that are appearing in Thai media? So far, I would say that the events of Hong Kong, like China's issues with the South China Sea, um, with the Philippines, with with um, Malaysia, with Vietnam, have not really infiltrated into Thai society. We we have very good relations with China, and look set to continue to do so. We also have good relations with the United States, so we sort of play the sides off each other. That's not really an issue for us. I think how Thai, Thai conservatives, the people that rule Thailand view the world is still very cold war. I, the, the, the leader of the army, the army chief, in a speech given a few months ago just said that he will not let Thailand fall to the communists, which is a very weird statement because he's not referring to China, who, who he has very good relations with. He has great relations with the, the, the military leadership of China. When he says communists, he's not talking about that. He's referencing like communist insurgents from Thailand's past, and he thinks that Future Forward is the modern incarnation of that communist insurgency that threatens to take Thailand from, from within. So, so you get this myopic view from Thai conservative that, that's still 30 years old and, and, and not shaped by modern events. I think modern events have very little to do in penetrating Thai, um, the Thai political psyche. Of course, conservatives also um, sort of uh, what's the word here? They, they, there's some conspiracy theory among them that the United States is empowering Tanatoin, that he's part of a, you know, the liberal global elite that's trying to bring leftist values into Thailand. But it's a minority that believe that. But uh, obviously, you know, if I was a billionaire, I'd be drinking little tropical drinks on one of Thailand's islands. I, I'd probably get boring for a while. I'm sure Tanatoin has done that in his in his younger days, which is ridiculous to say, who would be some of the, what's some of the speculation as to the thinkers or the vocate, the educational training that would lead him? It's, it's purely a hatred for the military. I think some people are just <laughs> idealistic in nature and, and, and they they view the world in a certain way. And in Tanatorn's case, I mean, there's a lot of people that share his views, right? But in Tanatorn's case, he has the money to do it. Not many people are billionaires. He happens to be lucky to be born to a wealthy family. So he has the money to do it. He's putting his money or his money where his mouth is and he's going for it. So good for him. Um, Thailand's stronger when you get disparate voices sort of trying to, to, to move forward in, in, in dialogue. 
And and if the military could only see that and sort of engage in this dialogue back and say why they're doing what they're doing, but because of the way they're trained, that they don't know how to govern with other civilians. All they know is heavy-handed action, and you're seeing that again, which is a shame, because this is an opportunity for dialogue for all sides. Like this is, for the lack of a better word, a brand new Thailand. This is a new, there's a new government. There's room to talk to determine. The future of Thailand for years and years and years to come, but instead it's it's breaking down into political infection and infighting again. What is some of the chatter that we've heard about the current situation? And then, are there any very outspoken people with large amounts of social capital who are commenting on Thai politics currently? I mean, there's a lot of these actors and actresses because of their contracts, they get shuffled to the prime minister of, minister's office, and they're. They have a photo op with the prime minister, and sometimes they don't like it, but they have to go anyways because it's contractual. But in terms of of Thai social media, like social media is huge, right? Um, I, I I'm sure you can pull up the statistics, but Thailand has something like one of the highest Facebook and and Twitter penetrations in the world. Instagram's iman- immensely popular here, and because of of how deeply ingrained it is in society in such a short amount of time, you've got all these influencers that have, have risen up with with hundreds and thousands sometimes millions of followers and it's a money-making opportunity for them so as with as you saw with the nba and china right mm-hmm. as you see with hollywood in china the more political you are the more you risk losing your money so those with a lot of followers tend to shy away from politics here um they tend to not comment as much. Uh, there's definitely some who are politically active, but for the most part, all these celebrities and influencers with lots of followings that are non-political tend to stay that way. And in terms of uh, all three of the, uh, a lot of the major global powers are trending towards sort of internalized uh, surveillance. Thailand famously is quite strict on if you're social media uh, adhering to its Les Machistes laws. But I just wanted to um, explore if protests do occur, how do you imagine Les Magis law, uh, the, the recently passed computer crime law within Thailand, how do you explain to people the current state of digital surveillance and the capacities for uh, policing uh, in times of dissent in Thailand? In China, they have the Great Firewall. Um, I, I guess that's what people call it, and it's a mm-hmm. it's a very strong straight state apparatus that blocks dissent and 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 focuses on keywords and arrests people and things like that, and and that's a very scary and totalitarian or Aurelian um, view upon society. Thailand wishes it could do something similar, but because of the lack of expertise here, um, any attempts that have tried to to do similar things have failed quite miserably. And probably for, to the benefit of, of freedom of expression. So yeah, like if if you if you had a big red button that says we can have what China had, and you gave it to them, the the ruling government right now, chances are they might press it. But but unfortunately, our big red button is more of a crumbling brown button. So when they press it, not much happens, even though they wish it more would happen. So so yeah, so it's it's a it's a it's a story of ineptness and 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 lack of expertise. And for the younger Thai people, some people have speculated within uh, Hong Kong um, and and Chile more explicitly that neoliberal conditions um, that have uh, shortchanged meaningful employment opportunities led to 
staggering rises of rents um, have been um, catalysts uh, for the anger and sustainability of the protests. Is is that something that uh, political experts would uh, allude to in Thailand as well? Absolutely, 100%. Um, like I said before, Thailand's economy has sort of like staggered, staggered, staggered along, but it's it's progressed. But there's signs that it's really slowing down now. Um, the Thai bots at an, at an all-time high. Um, we're an exporting country, so not great. So if 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 the trend continues, if the economy worsens, then it's not just going to be students and activists that come out. It'll be working-class people. And when they do, you might reach a mass. So it's a big worry for this government. It's something that that it dominates their thinking. Yes, the political, you know, the Tanatorans and whatevers of the world worry them. But what really worries them is the economy. And unless they can right that ship, they know it will be the thing that sinks them. Was there anything else that we missed that you feel is, is uh, critical to understanding uh, this story or um, would be illuminating for people who are not uh, familiar with Thai politics, Tanatorn, or the recent history of Thailand? I, I think what people have to understand about Thailand, I, uh, the biggest takeaway in my experience, I mean, I am Thai, but I, I was raised abroad, hence my accent. Um, um, but the one thing that, that, that astounds me and, and that that makes me hopeful and and discouraged at the same time is just that ties don't ever go to the extremes the way other countries do we're never going to be you know hot-headed enough to just you know carry out widespread revolutionary things because it just doesn't seem to be in our nature we like to do things in a bit more relaxed way um we're, we're passionate but to a point. And then beyond that point, we're sort of like, eh, all right, it, it's okay. Um, let's just stop here. So all the rhetoric that you see, all, all, all the grandstanding, it only goes up to a point. If it ever reaches a boiling point, I, I don't know what would cause it because Thailand is more of a soft burn kind of country. And, 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 and that's incredibly hopeful um, and incredibly important because that means we're never going to reach extremes, but at the same time, that means change also comes very slowly. So th whatever happens in the political process in the next year or so, we're only going to reach a certain point, in my opinion, but we'll never push past that boiling point. And that's both a good thing and a bad thing, I suppose. Well, Kat, it was lovely talking to you uh, this evening. Where can people find you if they're interested in learning more about um, your writing? Follow me on Twitter, at FishMyMan. Um, if you want random comments on the NBA, Liverpool, and Thai politics. Um, if you are so inclined to, to follow news about Southeast Asia, like I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, I am going to be found on ThaiInquirer.com. It's a new news website that's going to come in to challenge the Bangkok Post and the nation and the likes that hopefully we do a good job enough where people stick around. So check us out there. It launches January 15th.
This is part two of our interview series on Thailand's Future Forward Party. Today we speak with journalist Tara on the Future Forward Party and uh, its appeals to younger voters and especially women. Uh, We discuss, uh, pun intended, uh, if the future of the Future Forward Party is female, um, demographic splits that are currently causing uh, Thailand to have to grapple with its political future, why older voters tend to be more conservative and support the military-backed party, why younger voters tend to be more progressive and support Future Forward, and uh, what the limits of electoralism are in the context of present-day Thailand. Will we need to see protests? Will we need to see direct action? for real change to occur, or uh, will real change occur in Thailand simply through parliament, voting, and elections? Tara is a wonderful guest uh, who's able to take us uh, inside uh, what is going on with many young people, with many feminists, uh, and with uh, many uh, progressive individuals in the country. And I think it should provide great insight into where a lot of younger people are thinking and and where their political future is heading in Thailand. If you enjoy these conversations, please support us. You can listen to us on Apple, Android, Spotify, and Wooshka for our podcasts. You can go to our YouTube where we have great video content with art and artists from around Asia. And of course, you can go to our website, asiaarttours.com, for great programs with artists, activists, and academics in Asia that tries to make travel a bit more meaningful. Here's our conversation with Tara on the future of the Future Forward Party, and if that future is female, I hope you enjoy. name is actually which is a mouthful but I go by Tara because it's a little bit easier <laughs> um, I was born and raised in Bangkok Thailand but I moved to the states to study and I, I spent nine years there um, and speaking of art I, I was actually in kind of the liberal like the arts world I was a performer for a while I was did psychology, and then throughout my entire life, I've been obsessed with true stories and um, very, 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 always very interested in nonfiction. And um, after being in the industry for a while, I was in show business in New York. I just was getting really, I was just getting really sick of seeing other other people's words to like perpetuate beliefs and stereotypes that I didn't agree with at all. At the same time, like. There were like the world was going through a lot of political changes, and I started getting like very interested and invested in, you know, like telling the stories and actually making a difference to talking about it. So I moved back to Thailand, and I just dove into journalism, and that was the year, you know, one of my the. Yeah, I guess that's that's me in a nutshell. So the reason I wanted to reach out to you today is is you and a few other uh, younger Thai journalists um, were putting out some of the more interesting 
media that could be found about the protests that happened on December 14th. Um, I'm wondering if you could tell us about those protests, uh, why were they protesting, and then just very simply, what, what was interesting to you about the protests, if anything? Sure. So the December 14th protest happened in the Skywalk in downtown Bangkok, and it occurred several days after. Um, so I, I got to dial it up a little bit and talk about the Future Forward Party. I'm not quite sure how um, versed your audience is with the Future Forward Party, but they're basically a very young, uh, a new generation politics that's like introducing new politics to Thailand, like alternative politics, not um, elitist and you know, just a, but basically, um, the leader of Future Forward is this very young politician who has new ideas, who wants to distribute wealth, who wants to, um, who's really, who's really like aiming for democracy, equality, and he, he is a threat to the elite and the power, the, the current governing, governing party. So a few days before the court, the, the election commission deemed that Tanatanjung Rurungit, who was the leader of the party, should be disqualified as a member of parliament because he owned, because he loaned 191 million baht to his party in January, which broke um, election laws. So they deemed that that was, he violated laws and they disbanded him from the parliament. So um, a lot of the critics say that this was politically motivated, that this was an attempt to, you know, disband the Future Ford Party and kind of like disband their party. So Tanaton went online and posted this video being like, oh, if you're sick of how the governing body is like oppressing us, if you're sick of the social atmosphere or the political atmosphere that we live in, come out to the skywalk and let's show our power. Let's tell the government you know, what we're fighting for, let's make our voices heard. And he uh, made a date that everyone should come up to the Skywalk at 5 on Saturday, December 4th, without knowing how many people were going to show up. And then the day came, and I think there's no independent um, estimate of the figure of how many people came out, but I think 3,000, the the smallest number was put at 3,000, and the largest number was at like 10,000. So some, like thousands of people came and it was one of the biggest protests, I think the biggest protest that occurred since the 2014 coup. And it was a, and it was the biggest protest since, you know, it's, it, I think it's a, it says something really big that so many people, so many young people would come out and make their voices heard. And people were being very vocal about their critics, their criticism of the government. Like people were holding signs that was, that said like FU dictatorship or, um, Rise of Skywalker. People were doing the three finger salute from the Hunger Games, the, to represent like their fight for democracy. And a lot of people, what was really interesting to me was a lot of people were holding signs that said like, we are from social media because, um, one of the main critics against the supporters of Future Forward is that they're very young and they might not be savvy enough to make informed political analysis and therefore decisions. And people were saying like, oh yeah, Twitter is very sassy, Twitter is very woke, but will that translate to action? So I think that many people coming forward and that many, many people vocalizing their concerns on December 14th kind of shows that, yeah, people 
you know, people from social media, quote unquote, from social media are willing to take steps in real life too to fight for their thoughts and their beliefs. How would these compare to past protests that uh, when the Thai army was brought in seemed to take on a more militant dimension? And then how should we think about the methods of protest that you saw on December 14th compared to global protests currently? How would you explain them to someone not there? Right. Well, the protest on the 14th was peaceful. Um, even though Tanatan has been smacked with charges for the protests, it's it's been like gathering without permission and using um, loudspeakers without permission. But it, it was peaceful. It wasn't violent in any way. Nobody threw any punches. So I think like if you were going to compare it to more violent, even something like Hong Kong where people are actively like, you know, using physical, being being physical, we haven't gotten there. And for the pro-democracy protests since... Um, the NCPO since Brio taken has taken over has been largely peaceful. There hasn't been anything. The people that have been coming out to protest has been younger. So the the language use or the tactic use has been more creative, more pop culture related. Like things start trending right away. So like people, so it it reaches, you know, the it people online are immediately exposed to it. So people all over the country are immediately aware of what's happening. But I, I wouldn't say, I don't think, I wouldn't say that I, I don't imagine these protests getting violent anytime soon. Um, or I, I don't even see it progressing to where Hong Kong is right now, where people are like being tear gassed or anything like that. I don't, I don't, I don't imagine force. Something I haven't heard really talked about is uh, women's role in the Future Forward Party and women voters in Thailand. I'm wondering if you could talk about um, my impression of uh, Thai politics is is it still largely dominated by men. Um, is the Future Forward Party uh, a departure from this and have they connected themselves to uh, women's issues that we might see in a global context of um, women's rights, freedom of choice, uh, uh, addressing um, patriarchy or sexual violence. Is there a focus within Future Forward on connecting to women? And do younger women feel a connection with Future Forward? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I don't remember the exact percentage, but I think it's something like 3% of Thai government is female, which is very a very, very, very little um, ratio, especially compared to the population, which you know, so um, the Future Forward, I think one of the unique things about the Future Forward and what makes them so contemporary is the fact that they're they're fighting a lot for social and human issues, which includes diversity and equality. So a lot of their um, even their spokesperson is female. So they have a lot more female politicians in their parties than you would see in other parties in the past. And. Panika Wanich, which is the spokesperson, had spoken in the Foreign's Correspondent Club about this. And she, she said that the Future Forward is actively trying to, they're not doing quota because they don't believe in that. They don't believe that, um, that is a way to establish equality, but they do, they do think that female, female, um, having female politicians in their party will be more inclusive about the kind of, um, the kind of policies they make, the kind of laws they make, and it would be more just to, it would be more an, a fair representation of society. And 
um, the Future Port Party is actually members of the Future Port Party was trying to establish a committee that um, that that oversees like um, LGBT rights, for example. So they're they're fighting a lot more for liberal rights and human justice and like equality, diversity. So they're fighting for LGBT rights, um, definitely women's rights, redistribution of wealth. Um, and their policies, if you go on their, on their website, their policies are a lot more, you know, they see people as equal. They believe in, they've been very vocal. They're like, like the rhetoric they use is very contemporary, very like feminist, very woman, woman empowered, which isn't something, if, even if you compare it to someone like Tyra Tai, which, you know, they, they don't have a huge emphasis on human rights. Like Tyra Tai violated some serious, Human rights, human rights violations during their war on drugs, and I think Future Forward a huge departure from that is that they're really pushing for human rights and social justice, and um, yeah, and and a lot of that is is also welcoming diversity, is pushing for policies that makes it better for, that makes life better for people of minorities, for future marginalized group groups, maybe women, people with disability. Um, LGBT groups, such like that. And within uh, Thai uh, contemporary politics, how would we see patriarchy manifested in a way that might not register with uh, older generations of Thai women, but are felt very acutely uh, by younger uh, generations of Thai women? What are some of the ways that patriarchy was perhaps tolerated uh, or opposition was not vocalized that... um, many younger Thai activists are trying to push back on now, either through the Future Forward or through social activism independent of the Future Forward party? Right. I think this is a really interesting question because, uh, like, I talked to my mom about this. My mom is a baby boomer, and we are off such different generations that I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm very much fighting for female empowerment and, and women's rights. And she doesn't understand the need for that at all <laughs> like she'll be like oh I, I like i'll be talking about something i feel really oppressed about like maybe in a professional setting or something like that and she'd be like you know i don't really get it and, and i think what it is is that I, i've been thinking a lot about this and i think women in the past have just been more tolerant to being treated like less than or or um a second class citizen because it, in thailand historically it's always been very male dominated like males have always been allowed to have more wives male have always been seen as the the sole breadwinner of the family the strong one the one that takes care of the family the smart the strong you know the leader whereas female were always seen as the servant submissive we have to like be sweet and obey so you know if, when you translate that to this modern society, you still see in a professional setting women being, or even in a po- political setting, like let's take, going back to what the Future Forward Party said, Panika Wanit, which is the spokesperson for the Future Forward Party, has expressed that when she talks about like um, military tactics or military, strategy, uh, military strategy, something she's actually very interested in about, people are like, oh no, you should really talk about Women, women's rights or or diversity, poli- diverse policies, which not to say that those are important, but it's like 
putting female politicians and our gender in a box just because of your preconceived notions of the gender. So there's this preconceived notion still that like females should stick to lighter issues and lighter professions and are maybe not as strong as men and shouldn't be shouldn't deal with military strategies and and um I I think a lot of females nowadays just feel like that's not the case, you know, that that gender does not dictate what kind of interests you should things you should be interested in or or what kind of things you're suited for. Um and recently in the last in last last year we the me too movement arrived in thailand which is a really really huge wake up call especially i grew up here and I, i you know even now feminism isn't something thai people truly understand but 20 years earlier it was really 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 not non-existent it like negative non-existent So now after the Me Too movement in Thailand it's called hashtag don't tell me how to dress. I think females are more empowered to demand or to speak up about how they would be treated. Like in the past people have been treated, people have been looked down upon and people have been like dismissed and females have kind of like let that happen or we've been told what to wear and we just kind of like let that happen but now there's this pushback to stand up for what we think we're worth like oh actually you shouldn't tell us how to dress you should start you know learning how to respect us or oh like no no i i can talk about you know as a gov- as a journalist yes i can talk about politics yes i can talk about the military as well as women's issues and gender equality issues um Yeah, and there's and even this year like Thailand held our very first gender equality summit which like the ability to hold the event already bodes already speaks volumes about how Thailand how far Thailand has come because I think three years from now women empowerment women's rights is something was something very like very grassroots and now it's something in the forefront it's trending people are talking about it and it's something that's active on people's minds it may not be as um direct and far along as in the west but i think it's starting to bubble and with with the future forward and with a lot of female activists um rising to the forefront i think the conversations are becoming more constant and more elaborate. So one of the failures of um, recent uh, mainstream campaigns of Western feminism, in my mind, is in particular for me too, the inability to connect uh, the concerns and prominent voices of uh, female activists who have power or wealth with uh, poorer constituents who don't. Um, So me too, for me personally, I stopped being very interested when I saw it turn away from supporting women who don't have power to focus on what I would call generally the politics of of institutions. So focusing on the concerns of women who worked in offices, who worked in politics, who worked in media, while those battles are very worthwhile, I am personally very connected to trying to articulate politics that build bridges between the powerless and and those who are within institutions of power. 
when we speak of Thai feminism, do we see a better job of feminists and activists making sure that when they are articulating um, uh, more gender balance, uh, addressing wage discrepancies, uh, addressing sexual harassment or sexual assault, do we see uh, the same divide that, besides myself, prominent feminist critics have brought up uh, within Western iterations of recent feminist campaigns? Or have Thai feminists managed to do a better job connecting the concerns and uh, struggles of rural women with the concerns and struggles of more urban uh, Thai women in institutions? I think it's really hard to compare movements, it, like uh, f- feminist movements, the West and the East, just because it started from a fundamentally different place. Like in the West, it's been going on for a while, and but I, I feel like a lot, one of the hugest reasons why the feminist movement started is because there is so much gender-based violence in the country and it's been widely tolerated for a really long time and a lot of it is rooted in culture tradition and even like pop culture like you turn on the tv and you can see rape and abuse and you know physical physical abuse very clearly on on um, tv and so i i feel like you know, I don't want to criticize or I don't want to generalize in the West, but I feel like the movement was in the West was born out of like this fight to be equal. But in Thailand, I think the movement was born out of like really this need that females cannot be hurt or females cannot be subject subjected to abuse like this anymore and and even the statistics like if you look at the statistics by the UN that was just released a year ago or two years ago almost nine out of ten women who are raped in Thailand don't don't can't even file a police report so only the very very only like a little over 10 percent of women who file a police report about gender violence do success are successful and I think the four percent in in prosecution which means over 90 90 something percent of abusers or people who have have you know have maybe abused women are out there and i think women are no longer okay with living in fear and living in this like oppressive society and this so our conversation isn't even our conversation isn't extending as far as wage gaps or anything like that yet. Like we haven't even gotten there. We're still talking about, please like don't hit women or cause like there's this whole like overarching belief that cause there's so much domestic abuse, but women don't talk about it cause things stay at home. So now it's like, we're not talking about pay us the same as men. We're talking about, Hey girls talk about, being hit, like you have to know your worth. You have to be able to leave your, you have to walk away from an abusive relationship and know that you don't deserve to be hit. I think our conversation is very different and very, I don't want to compare and say le- like less far along, but, but it's, it's, it comes from a different foundation. It comes from a different atmosphere. So I would say we're, we're not that far along yet and we're still, you know, we're still fighting for, like, changing the fundamental beliefs, like, 
mentioned hit women and women are not less lesser than when it comes to the um three major parties so uh future forward uh palang pracharath and uh pyo thai and please correct my pronunciation when it's uh when you reply um if we had to sort of boil down the psychological associations uh that voters would make what would be the sort of if the bullet point noun that a person might think of when they're casting their vote? So um, words like security, nationalism, liberalism, democracy, economics. If we were just rather than trying to go point by point through the policies of these three main parties um, within Thai parliament, what would be the sort of the words that might float through a voter's mind? or how they associate uh, these parties with certain ideologies. Okay, so Palang Lat is the party of the elite. The, they're the governing body right now, and that's military-aligned, junta-aligned, royal, royalist. Um, and it, it, if you were to look at Thai politics like 10 years ago, we were really divided in, in terms of red and yellow. So it was the military and the Thaksin party. So I, I, I would say that the two parties, the Pua Thai and the Palang Basharat, kind of represent that old form of politics where Palang Basharat is more yellow and Pua Thai is more Thaksin, you know, former Prime Minister Thaksin Shinawat, who's very controversial, is more aligned with him. So I would say there's a clear yellow and red there. There's For both parties, I would say it's more old politics. It's people who's been in politics for a while. It's these names that boomers are used to and know and it, it, it's a lot of people who um so i would say Thai is more is d- democratic it's pro-democracy it it has aligned themselves with future forward so um they're not as liberal they're not as young so i would say there's i would say the future forward is very liberal alternative politics um just yeah, and I, and you know what is interesting is because Thailand has this elitist atmosphere, especially in the, our political landscape. Like, um, and our politics, our influence, and um, you know, the capital, the military, and the politi- and the pol- politicians are always really closely linked. So I think introducing a new breed of politicians means that they're. Um, challenging that power challenging that that status so and then for the um the military party of palang uh pracharath could you explain a bit about you talked before about sort of the divide between uh mothers and daughters on issues of feminism could you explain a bit about maybe in a in a in a a thai household um what the divide might be between um, uh, a parent who's voting for a Palang Pracharath uh, and a, a kid who's voting for Future Forward. What what do those sort of conversations look like if we're doing sort of dinner table politics in a, in a Thai household? Right. So a lot of the argument for people voting for Palang Pracharath is that, you know, they are 
they, they are going to, because it's made in a way that they, they were going to win. So a lot of people, and a lot of the people who join Palang Basharat are people who have aligned themselves with Thaksin in the past. So it, it Palang Basharat has become like a collection of the elite, the people with power in the past. So a lot of the people who voted for Palang Basharat is like, oh, they're actually going to get things done. They're very, they're more um, royalists because Palang Basharat is very, align themselves with the monarchy very closely. So it's like, oh, you know, they're very royalist. They're very old fashioned. They're all about national security and the military. And oh, look, a lot of Tuxin politicians even switched to their side. So we are sim like familiar names. Um, and a lot of the argument is that also that like they're going to win. And I think a lot of with people that I've talked to who are who are who um, align themselves with Palang Basharat Party? They identify like specific politicians that they see, and they're like, "Oh, he's in this party, and he's going to be the minister of this." So I believe in that. So it's still this idea of old power of like, "Oh, he's done this before, or he's powerful. I know him. I'm going to vote for what I know and vote for who will probably win, who's probably going to be in party." Um, yeah. So I, I think it's a lot more like. Um, old school politics, like vote for who you know, vote for what you know. And people argue that, and Tanatan is really radical. Like when he first came on scene, he said some really, really controversial stuff. Like, you know, he said some, th some things that said like religion is not no longer that necessary. You know, we should move away from Buddhism, which to a very, very Buddhist dominant country was like a shock. Baby boomers were like, oh my God, he just said, he just, you know, discredited Buddhism, and that was really, really radical. So a lot of the elites, a lot of the old-school politicians and maybe old-school citizens see him as a threat. Like, people, he's been called out. He's been called a communist. He's been called, um, you know, he, like, people see Fuja Ford as, as like, like the people who support them. Maybe old-school politicians and citizens see Fuja Ford as younger, aggressive, and not too savvy, and not savvy enough to make political decisions. When we look specifically at the uh, current party that sort of the shadow chancellor, <laughs> I guess sort of the shadow power behind it is Thaksin Shinawat, um, the Pio Thai party. From my understanding, and please correct me if I'm ignorant here, it's the third iteration of uh, sort of Thaksin-led parties where prior to this was Tyrak Tai, that was dissolved um, post-coup. Then we have, before that, the People's Power Party, that was dissolved uh, post-coup. I'm wondering, um, one of the criticisms uh, that I've read of from the Thai left is that Future Forward, by taking part in an election process that as you've sort of alluded to on kitchen tables, the parents are already are saying to the kids, look, the results decided. So, you know, does it matter? Um, what is sort of the, the evolution of Pio Thai as, as basically it seems becoming more and more conservative would be, I guess, the word I'd use from an outsider, less populist, um, I think we could say objectively, and, and less and less um, mobilizing poor and rural supporters to, to come out in a way that yellow factions within Thailand found threatening. From your own insights or journalism, do you believe that 
the only real way to make change will be something down the line involving sort of electoralism plus protests. I think when Tuxin came onto the scene, that was immediately after the economic crisis, and he was the solution to such, you know, the country was in a lot, it was in crisis, economic crisis, and he was the answer to a lot. He was, he earned the vote of a lot of the lower class, the farmers, the people who were in debt, and he kind of led with that. That's why he earned so many votes, because he was improving the economic conditions of the people, the rural poor, the farmers, the pe- you know, the 99%, basically. So his constituents were people outside Bangkok, primarily. And um, I feel like that has always been, when I look back at Tuxin's time, I feel like that was the, what just, his, like, you know, what he did, what people would say he did well. He he, he improved the lives of the lower class, and he introduced 30 baht healthcare. So he really did target the lower class. I feel like if we're looking at Pratai now, maybe it's because the political landscape has changed. Maybe because they have a lot more competition uh, competition now. Instead of having two parties that they're like running against, they have so many different parties now. Like if you go to the freaking like if I when you went to the, when I went to the election, it was like. There were so more parties than I could name, and more parties than I can even than, than I even know what they are. So they have a lot more competition. They have a lot more competition. Like the Commerce Party was born out of, you know, a per, like formed by the people of the a middle class fighting for the left, fighting for the poor. So you have these like um, policy and constituent-driven parties that are very specifically targeted. So I feel like Pratai has been, for me, it, it seems like Pratai has been more concerned maybe about securing power and and uh, blocking the, the junta from becoming in power than their actual policies or their actual consti- constituents. But I think that's just how, that's power play in politics. Like, you, you know... Um, you can't, and like a lot of the people have. The thing with Putai and Palang Basharat is like, in the past years, a lot of po- politics politicians have like jumped ship and joined other parties. So, I think the policies and the integrity, the values, and the political insight to the party has now been a little murky because it's fight to to have a grip on on power to stay relevant. But with the the current situation involving Future Forward and the past history of uh, People's Power, Thai Rak Thai and Pyo Thai, for you as as someone who's um, reported globally uh, and domestically, does it signal to you uh, the limits of electoralism or do you believe that these are crises that that can still be solved within Thai's parliamentary system from an outsider who is is um, it it seems very tragic that um, coups and um, I guess um, <laughs> proto coups or um, pseudo coups like what's happening currently with Future Forward really seem to to cast a stark limit on 
electoralism alone being enough to reform the Thai political system. And uh, I'm not a Thai citizen, and I, I didn't grow up uh, in Thailand during the coups. Do you feel that there's a way out of this just through the system as is, or will it require sort of um, uh, non-electoral solutions like protests, like um, sustained civil disobedience to, to make real transformative change? Yeah, it, I think it has to be. I mean, if you look at the election that just passed, the military, the governing military basically did everything in their power to rig the election in their favor, which means they changed the constitution, 2016 constitution, to, they rewrote the election laws to put their party at an advantage, basically. So if you wanted to have a fair and free election from now on, you'd basically have to rewrite the laws. So I, I think, yeah, I think this is like an ongoing joke that Thai people make, and I think there is some truth in it, but I, I don't know if that's the only way that we're going to go. People are all, like, people say that politics won't change until the old generation of politicians die, and I think there's some truth in that because the old school elite politicians are very much in power. They have held, our constitutional dom democracy is very, very new. We haven't been a democracy for very long, which means the people who was in power at the very start and maybe even before we became a trans transition into a democracy is still in power, which means they have, they've hold on to their power for decades and decades, their old money, their old school, their old elites, they have influence all over the country. And so in order to make, and they have the power to block political decisions, business decisions, you know, they have the power to influence so many they have the authority to influence so many leaders that they block real change from happening, which in a way I do believe that we kind of have to let old systems, old ways of thinking trickle out because I don't know if anyone is powerful enough to go up against a, an entity like that. But at the same time, I think this... Thai people, young Thai people have not been very political savvy very long. Like they're, when I was growing, like I don't think Thai people, young Thai people started caring about politics in this manner until Future Forward came like two years ago. So I think the, the old school politicians are, have been definitely a little alarmed by the fact that, oh my gosh, young people actually care now. Young people are very, vocal now. Young people are coming up and protesting. Whoa. So I don't think this has ever happened in Thailand before, so I can't say... Well, not that it's never happened in Thailand. It has happened in Thailand, and it has brought change, but we're entering a new, I feel like, era of Thai politics, and I feel like I... Even with the the, the people in power still in charge and with the authority they have, I think increased unrest from the public will 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 lead to something because if, if people are constantly protesting then the power that be isn't doing a good job you know so um i think it'll be an interesting dance i think it will be a long i think it will be at least five years until anything like it, it will be it will take time for any real significant 
change or system overturn to happen. But I think increasing unrest and protests will contribute to what's to come. For um, people who are unfamiliar with sort of the social media ecosystem of Thailand, two of the examples I've seen recently are the Run Uncle Run uh, protest set up uh, for mid-January, as well as recently, I believe, uh, within Thai parliament, uh, two LGBTQ activists, uh, two men, uh, kissed one another to protest for uh, greater rights for LGBTQ. What are some citizen examples of sort of dissent or discontent, uh, like the ones that I've mentioned? And in general, on Thai media, so social media, like a line or Facebook, or Twitter, what are some memes or examples of humor that young Thai people use to express themselves? So how's that occurred in real life? And how do we see young people expressing discontent digitally? Yeah, um, I am glad you asked because I always talk about, I think Thai net has gotten in the last year even, like Thai net has gotten so sassy and so witty and so funny. I, 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 I thoroughly enjoy scrolling through Twitter when I'm not stressed because Thai people are very articulate about their discontent. And I think one of the most obvious examples is every time there's a parliament meeting now, there's a hashtag that keeps trending, um, hashtag Briyut Get Out. And I think it started, I'm not quite, I could look back in my stories and see when it started, but I believe it started during his parliament um, meeting where after he was elected prime minister, he had to say this oath to, like, there's this traditional oath you have to say as part of the custom. And he didn't say the whole oath. And it became a huge thing because it was like, oh, it's disrespectful. So he had to have this parliament hearing about it. And I think that, I th don't quote me on that, but I think that was one of the times the hashtag Briyut Get Out started trending online. And it's very, very blatant criticism towards Briyut. And you see that happen all the time. Like if you, if you type in most, Twitter is overwhelmingly liberal. So Twitter overwhelmingly, Twitter supports future forward a lot. Like when I, during my journalism, we always try to find a fair, you know, a balance of criticism, but it was really hard. Like when, when you're writing a story about Tynet being enraged by polit politicians and the government, it's really hard to find anyone on Twitter supporting um, the government. But that, that's not to say that if you, if you switch on to Facebook or to other platforms, there are supporters there, but it's just interesting that Twitter is overwhelmingly liberal. And um, I think another protest, another in-person protest that you can see I think the run dictatorship, the run uncle run, the run against dictatorship is a great example because that's not even organized by, it's organized by students, act, student activists. Another one you can see is the climate strike, which is a Swedish um, import. Uh, I went to the latest one, the fourth one recently, and it was really interesting because it was arranged by students. So a bunch of students were there. There was like about a hundred people there. And this protest actually got shut down by police because the police was saying that the protesters are using this ground with the King Rama Six statue, so they were like disrespecting the grounds. Um, but there's there's a lot of protests like this happening, like small scale protests. Um, maybe the climate change, maybe like 
like abortion abortion rights like a, a lot of pro-choice activists has been campaigning for that you know i think there's a lot of grassroots protests happening and also a lot and and those the more interesting thing is that i think those protests are translating into a lot of online outrage here let me get go on twitter and write read you some of the things people have tweeted under Buryut Get Out. Okay, so some of the things Buryut Get Out, exactly what I've been waiting for. And and like so many people have been like, oh, this is the hashtag I've been waiting for, Buryut Get Out. Lots of it in time. Lots of lo- lots of just funny me Yeah, so basically um, every time something happens or if there's like a parliament meeting that is like very um, like, like, like that's been anticipated maybe the disbandment of Future Forward or every time something happens something happens in parliament there's always a like right now there's always an anal- analysis and criticism on twitter which hasn't happened in the past and i think Buryut get out is a very good example of <laughs> the outrage against him well where can people find you and what are some of the stories if they're interested in our conversation today what are some of the stories you're looking forward to covering in the near future or that you are personally um curious about for for me personally like um there's a lot that the government is working that, that this particularly go- government is working on that i've been following for example this government is trying to get rid of klong Thai, which is bangkok's biggest slum and they're trying to evict upwards of a hundred thousand people and just to turn the area into um to redevelop the area into a real estate you know a- economic central um, that's something I've been following a lot, and yeah, and I, I am following also because there's um, Future Forward is pushing for a lot of LGBT rights and a lot of you know to set up a committee just to deal with LGBT rights and things that are being processed. And there's still like a lot of the bills and the policies, for example, the civil partnership is still being so. There's a lot of rules and policies that are coming that are coming that I'm looking forward to even like weed regulations, stuff like that. So sometimes the government writes, releases the law and then and then follows up with uh, regulations later. So sometimes like, oh, weed is now legal. Um, medical marijuana is now legal, but you have no idea what those laws are because it hasn't come out yet. So I'm looking forward to a lot of these new, like newer laws coming coming into effect and more regulations, more details about that coming coming up. And if you want to follow my work, I, um, I'm transitioning after this year, I'm trans- transitioning away from editorial and writing work and I'm going to be doing a lot more video journalism. Uh, I'll be working for this uh, new company that's launching in March called Disrupt. Uh, and if you want to follow my work, you can go on worldwideweb.tkamalva.com. You can follow me on social media, Instagram and Twitter. Yeah.